Welcome to the Jam Session Radio Hour. I am your host, John Landis, and we have a treat for you tonight, which is first of a two-part interview and music of uh, a local friend of ours out here in the East End, um, who's a musician who plays with a, uh, a lot of different uh, musicians out here in a lot of different occasions, and we're very lucky to have him. His name is Randolph Hudson, known to us as Randy Hudson. And Randy has had a wonderful career. You'll hear a lot about it in this interview, combined with some of his music. Uh, we very much appreciate the fact that uh, Randy was able to spend some time with us and, uh, of course, properly distanced. Um, so here we go with an interview of Randy Hudson. So, Jam Session Radio Hour with your host, John Landis. We're so happy to have today Randy Hudson with us. And uh, a lot of you listeners out there are familiar with Randy because he's just, <clears throat> I don't know if peripatetic is the right word, but he's all over the place out here. I mean, I've probably seen Randy without having gotten to know him just recently, but uh, 15 times, 20 times in my life, not knowing exactly who he is. When you play, do you often play? Well, hell, welcome, Randy. Honored to be here, John. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks so much. Do you play sometimes with a, like a, a cowboy hat? The hat is very helpful. <laughs> you uh, do. So the, the answer hats, is yes. yes the is leather it leather hats, or is it? Is it's it, a leather hat. It's a leather it's an, hat. It's an Australian uh, um, uh, outback uh, hat that I just happened to buy. I liked it, fit, um, and started wearing it. And um, found that uh, it's it's just very helpful. Uh -huh. you know, it's kind of, you know. Can it, you play without it now? <laughs> I have I have played without it. Sure. No, but I guess perform. Well, you obviously play without. I know, it. No, if, but do you I like know, to wear it when you perform? Uh, yes and no. I mean, works. I I don't think I've at at, uh, at that last uh, the elegant people at the Masonic Hall. I don't think you I did. I did not wear the hat. Uh, okay. I don't Maybe think I didn't. wore the hat. Right. Right. Uh, and that was kind of on purpose. I think I, I purposely. Well, tell yeah. us, because um, I'm jumping into a, a, an interesting detail. Uh, just basically to reinforce the fact that I've seen Randy play and heard him play so many times. Great guitar player. And plays with so many people out here. So maybe <clears throat> just kind of as a jumping off point, we can talk about some of the people you play with out here on the East End. Again, we'll, that'll be familiar to a lot of our listeners. And and then put that into the context of what you've done and kind of in <clears throat> how that compares to like being in New York or other things that you've done. I mean, what is it about the East End and all these, you know, Cliff Black and the Talk House and, and uh, all the people that you play with out here? Well, I, I think it's it. it I, I found that you know, it was just a vibrant community. Mm -hmm. um, I had been out here, coming uh, out for uh, a long, kind of a long time. My wife, uh, Marion, uh, had a house in Amagansett, and when we got together twenty five years ago, I started coming out, and I didn't really pay because i was doing music in the city i didn't really pay much too much attention initially we'd walk past the talk house on our way from the train from amagansett okay. to, to the houses in amagansett a little, <clears throat> little cottage there and we'd um i'd see and i'd look who's playing oh this is nice this is nice and um it was only until uh michael clark and christina clark um uh had crossroads music right on um east I think it's North Main. I uh -huh. think it's North Main right. over there, right, right, right. Nick and Tony's the firehouse. Um, that they started having like a Sunday, like acoustic that. jam. Yeah, and I, I had not, I had only played original music from like the late seventies up until the time I walked into that store. Uh, I'd not really 
played a lot of quote cover music or really? or yeah i because i had done it all in high school and mm-hmm. and uh you know in college uh briefly arranging composing i studied at berkeley in boston and uh so what happened was uh walked in there and everybody was so nice so you know meeting cliff black in there mm-hmm. meeting uh michael weisskopf mm-hmm. um uh anthony liberatore um it was a hub of where people were uh glenn fight barbary fight you know these you know people walking in uh, many many people met there as a little hub and it started as this little thing of like you know people just picking up acoustic guitars that were hanging on the walls right. <laughs> and playing them and i thought that was kind of interesting and uh uh started playing some stuff and uh and said well hey what are you doing out here when you're out here i said well you know i, I you know don't don't do much i you know i've been uh you know and only playing and composing my own music and and things like that well you want to play get together do some playing sure enough one thing leads to another and within months i'm playing gigs out here do, covering dylan material and right. clapton and <clears throat> hendrix and all kinds of other stuff that i had only really played like in high school <laughs> so but people really liked it. It was, you know, it's a it's a real community, and people, uh, you know, very supportive, uh, loving music community out here. I mean, people really like the culture. They like it. Uh, they support original music as well as all of the, you know, the various types of music that's out here. Right. So uh, it was great to see that, um, it, you know, especially a, a venue like the Talk House. You know, any kind of music could be played in there. And so it was. It was a it was a nice thing. So, and <clears throat> given that the jam session radio hour has focused on <clears throat> over time on the jam session and the Hamptons Jazz Fest, which is yeah. new, It'll, we're going into our second year in 2022. That has been oriented towards jazz. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, I want to talk more about some of the uh, the East End players, but also in the jazz side because that that also fits your career. Well, it does because part of it is I. I you know, it, it was an interesting thing. I grew up, um, uh, I started playing guitar at 13, which is kind of late, I guess, uh, to a degree, uh, getting involved in music. Uh, but I was given an electric guitar by my cousin and a stack of records. And uh, there was a lot of interesting records in there, Hendrix, Cream, and, and things, Santana, and all kinds of things. But my mother's cousin who was my second cousin howie collins was a very well noted jazz guitar player Mm. who had um played with benny goodman george shearing um uh george russell i mean he and barry galbraith were the two guitarists in the jazz and the space age band the george russell band um he had played with john lewis um he was you know part of the all that post work um uh, but he was also a session cat he also played on Bob Dylan's Freewheeling record. Wow. You know, he he and George Barnes both did a session, both did a date mm-hmm. where they did about 10 takes of, of um, Karina Karina with Bob. What was his and name again? Howie Collins. Howard? Howie. Howie Collins. Howie, Howie Collins. or Howard Collins. Okay. And uh, he was a noted seven-string player. So guys like Bucky Pizzarelli, uh, Howard Alden, um, but Bucky um, mentions that who I who I talked to, he said, he and uh, Howie and a bunch of other uh, musicians went down and bought all of Van Epp's seven strings the, the, from Manny's the day that mm-hmm. they came out. They were mm-hmm. seven shipped to, to mm-hmm. Manny's in New York, 
and they all bought the seven string no. guitars because they all loved George Van Epps. Um, who wouldn't? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he was an amazing seven string guitar player who, um, you know, influenced many, many players. And uh, so I had this kind of uh, influence that, you know, jazz was really, you know, interesting. So when I met Howie, he said, you know, you should listen to Joe Pass, you should listen um, um, to Herb Ellis, you should listen to Barney Kessel, you should listen to, you know, and he's, he's so he kind of educated me. He said, here's the direction you well, should This is even listening. like when you're a mid-teenager. Like, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, mid, you mid-teenager, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but, so this is 1970, I started playing. By 72, in junior high, I was always, I would, I was already playing Yes, King Crimson, uh, Mahavishnu, Return to Forever. I was like, you know, I just, like, I couldn't eat up enough of that material. Huh. Uh, and, of course, I loved Weather Report. And, uh, y- you know, uh, it, it's, it's an interesting thing because it's a funny little line. Um, uh, I was telling Fred uh, and, and uh, Clace, you know, people, uh, you know, at a certain point, in the mid seventies, you know, people were like, I'd love to be like, you know, the Alan Holsworth or John Coltrane, a guitar, which was like Alan Holsworth. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you know, really sort of paradigm shifts in terms of what could be played on the guitar. She total sheets of sound. Uh, at that point I had played all through the McLaughlin catalog, Bill Connors, Al Di Miola. I was playing all that material. I decided, uh, I probably wanted to be uh, Joe Zawinul's keyboard tech <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because the sound color that Joe was getting, mm-hmm. you know, guitar is guitar. And, um, you know, who didn't love, you know, what McLaughlin was doing on, on uh, In a Silent Way or Bitches Brew, um, you know, it set a standard. That first Mahavishnu record, it was Gibson Les Paul through Marshall. Bill Connors, same thing. He had more of a Clapton tone. You know, he started getting this. Um, Holesworth changed it. But it was all about the sound color that I really loved. So, and I loved Joe Pass, and I loved um, uh, uh, Larry Coriel mm-hmm. and Wes Montgomery and uh, Pat Martino, who, you know, I, I'd seen Pat Martino live in, the, in, at, uh, in Boston in 76. Mind-blowing experience. But it was also about the color, sound color in total is what really started really speaking to me. Mm-hmm. So I made a conscious effort to try to be as colorful as possible, to have be able to produce as many sounds as I could.
You are listening to WLIW-FM 88.3 in Southampton, New York. That's WLIW.org slash radio. This is the Jam Session Radio Hour, and tonight we are interviewing Randy Hudson, first part of a two-part interview of Randy Hudson. Has most of your career been in the studio or performing? uh, Live. It's a combination of both. A combination of both, I'd say. Yeah, mm-hmm. a combination of both. But you've been you've you've, you've made a living uh, partly in the studio. And yeah, you're yeah, right. there, yeah. There was a time period where that's all I I, I made my entire living by playing music, recording either, and and professionally mm-hmm. uh, um, performing. Right. But I also kept always, you know, the musician's credo: never quit your day gig. Mm-hmm. So I've been in multimedia since the mid '90s. Um, technology you know audio video technology so okay. that's i've had a foot in that door so i've um uh you know specifically uh in late 1990s um i got into um uh digital media asset management digital delivery content delivery uh, uh digital rights management um also things like dvd um mm-hmm. was one of the early pioneers in new york and in, in doing dvd production dvd authoring uh which brought together both sound and and you know and visuals um, and is that is that a business that you've had as your own business or you've done it with uh, others as an as a well i had my own business from 99 to 2009 and in, and in that field that you just described yeah and okay. then i sold that business to do art uh it was a very well-known uh, film lab and uh, post-production facility in New York City. Okay, Do which film. still exists. Um, in August this year, they decided to um, end okay. the business. But right up. But I've been a, uh, up until then. I was still a consultant, still a consultant actually, because they're they're in the process of selling off all the equipment and uh, selling the building right. that they own. So they owned a building in in, in New York City. So one of uh, so you're and you obviously have an instrument as you say uh, an interest a strong interest in and in the technology and in yeah. guitars in particular, I mean you're you're you'd you'd call yourself to some degree a collector right uh, a significant collector of guitars or well it's their their tools or their crayons in the box it's mm-hmm. one of the things I don't I don't I don't collect anything I don't play okay so there are collectors that just collect just because they're it's like stocks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've, sure. I've purchased instruments from people who, you know, I've walked in, you know, answered an ad. There's an instrument I was interested in, walked in it's in the lawyer's office and he's got 10 guitars there. And it's like, I beat my wife all the time. She picks stocks. I pick guitars. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I make more money on, on uh, buying and selling buying instruments. And selling them. But that's uh, not your gig. You, that's you, not you my wanna... gig at all. No. So it's rare for you to sell a guitar. Very I mean, Maybe rare. early in your career, but, uh, yeah, I have a lot of regrets on things right. <laughs> I own and sold. But somewhere. you do what you have to do. You yeah, know? sure. You do what you have to do. Yeah, to keep going. Yeah. But I mean that and, and then you then you you know, you clearly have strong interest on the technical side. Uh, as you say, you had this multimedia business up until two thousand nine. Yeah. Um and you sold that business. Was that because of a change in your career at that point? Um it's interesting that No, you, you know, it was actually no, direction. it was actually it was a shift from standard definition to high definition. Oh. It actually had to deal with the technology at the time. Okay. So um, HD had become maybe the year or two earlier had become mm-hmm. everybody started having HD televisions in their mm-hmm. in their homes, and um, I didn't want to invest in HD infrastructure because just for disc production 
at, which I was in at that particular time. I see. So, yeah, I mean, the, my business was technically called title development, which was we would make the menus, we would encode the video and the audio. Um, a lot of times it was surround audio as well. And, um, you know, we would make masters that would go to the plants. So any film distributors, um, music labels, I worked for every single music label, done, done tons of titles, a dozen awards uh, for the work in that, in that area. Um, uh, you know, so it's, it's really, you know, but so between that, you said between 1999, 2009, so that entire 10 year period, you were also playing a lot. And, oh and yeah. Playing, playing, playing and recording and yeah. And, and uh, 2000. So with Martha Mook, Martha Mook and I in 2000 went to Cuba as official U S composers. Um, we had, um, recorded, uh, an album called Cafe Mars, which I brought a copy for, for you. For, Thank you. So you have. Um, and it's, uh, you know, we uh, were part of an electroacoustic music festival. Uh, Senior Juan Blanco uh, was a festival that had been running for 20 years down in Cuba and Havana. And it was a wonderful experience. We were there for 10 days. Um, Arco Electronico is what they refer to as the Ebo. Mm. So uh, that's kind of, uh, it's interesting. Well, tell us about Martha Mook. Um, yeah, tell us about Martha and some of the other people that have been real uh, strong influencers for you, people that you played with in your life, and also some of those bands like the Psychedelic Furs and John Zorn and all these different people that you played with. Fascinating period. Uh, well, uh, you've mentioned Martha, so, uh, yeah. you know, she, uh, I think John Cale described her as Viola with Attitude. Viola with Attitude, <laughs> okay. Um just an amazing musician who, um, you know, uh, was very influenced. Um, you know, like Jean-Luc Ponty was one of her big influences, you know, uh, to get, you know, to, to get an electric instrument going. And, uh, you know, it's, violin's one thing, viola's another, you know. Viola's kind of the overlooked member. It's the, but it was Bach's favorite string instrument. Mm. It has, you know, beautiful voice to it. It's got richness. It's... Um, you know, you can get that almost cello-like sonorities on the lower strings without the shrillness of the violin. Um, uh, Martha's like, you know, like a musical sister, you know, to me. We uh, very quickly were able to compose some, uh, you know, very nice compositions that relied upon the creation of live looping. So... Again, before the technology of being able to store loops and then be able to use those loops, uh, we were using a device called a Lexicon Jam Man, which was a rack-mounted device, and you couldn't store the loops. So you actually had to compose a loop that you would create, and each time you would do it, you, there, was an, there was a competency that was required to create that loop. And sometimes we would sound like an eight-piece ensemble mm -hmm. because of how we were able to work it. And uh, um, it was great. We did a lot of performances. We plan on actually, we actually are planning on another recording, hopefully this year. Was it usually done under the name of Scorchio Quartet? No, Boeing. 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 That's the duo. Okay. Uh, and then when we... Which we, is B-O-W-I-N-G. B-O-W-I-N-G. Yeah. Cafe Mars was the, is the, is the, uh, is the, is the, uh, CD that we did recording and it's been 
uh, there's revenues that come off that because it's performed. And she, Martha did a, a beautiful quartet um, arrangement of one of those pieces, and that was premiered at Carnegie. So it's nice to be able to, to yeah. say I had a, a co-composition premiered at Carnegie Hall. Absolutely. Which is <laughs> yeah. nice. Um, that in the $2 gets you on the subway, <laughs> but, that, but that's, that's about it.
The Jam Session Radio Hour is supported by Bayard Fenwick as a sponsor and underwriter, as part of the Terry Cohen team located at the East Hampton office of Saunders Real Estate. Bayard is well-versed in the residential real estate market from Bridgehampton to East Hampton to Amagansett to Montauk. Bayard believes there are three parts to the value of a property, land value, improvements made to the property, and an emotional component. You can reach Bayard Fenwick at the East Hampton office of Saunders Real Estate at 631-324-7575. That's 631-324-7575. The Jam Session Radio Hour is also supported by Oza Sabbath Architects of Bridgehampton, New York. Oza Sabbath Architects both designs and builds homes, believing that a well-designed home suffuses our lives with the essential elements of balancing and recharging. Oza Sabbath Architects can be reached at ozasabbath.com. That's O-Z-A-S-A-B-B-E-T-H.com and at 631-808-3036. That's 631-808-3036. 3036. Again, thanks for being with us on WLIW.org. That is 88.3 FM in Southampton, New York. This is the Jam Session Radio Hour, which we bring to you on Sunday nights at 8. So happy that you are with us. And continue to stick with us because we have more of this interview of Randy Hudson and some of his music. Um, so, and then... Uh, you were asking about um, other people in your career that that have been as as you know as as uh, influential for you as as Martha and someone that you people that you played with a lot. Well, there's there's kind of like there's two phases of it. There's the phase out here, yeah, which is yeah, which is you know Michael Weisskopf and we formed the Complete Unknowns 14 years ago as a tribute to the music of Bob Dylan. Which you know you take a look at it. I mean, you just heard me play. An hour, an hour and a half's worth of weather report and Pat Metheny and everything else. Right. Like, how does this same guy also like put a cowboy hat on and go right. play Bob Dylan? Well, Nina Simone dug his his material too. Uh-huh. It's like music's music, and if it's good, it's good. Right. So it's all about you know, kind of just being able to feel like you're free in the music, and that that happens with Dylan. I think the only two. Well, maybe now fish. I don't. I don't. I'm. I don't really. I'm not really familiar with their material. Mm-hmm. But the Dead, Grateful Dead, mm-hmm. and Dylan were the two acts that um, the audiences never expected anything to be played the same way twice. Yeah. So we can go perform, and you know, we just breathe. We try to breathe as much spontaneity into the song as possible. Uh, Michael Weisskopf does an amazing job of no cheat sheets, no nothing. I mean, I could be standing next to him and he'll have just sung Sad Eye Lady of the Lowlands that went for 14 minutes uh-huh. into uh, Desolation Row, which is 10 minutes long, into Stuck Inside a Mobile, which is another nine minutes. You know, it's like one so after the other. when you guys other. started The Complete Unknowns, the idea was... I mean, it's not really a Dylan cover band, but you wanted to do Dylan's material. Yes. You weren't out there saying, you know, oh, we sound just like Bob Dylan, because who does? No. And that's not the point. Yeah. But it was an appreciation of his work and that you wanted to continue to explore, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I've even, uh, you know, at, in uh, we worked our way up to the point where we were playing Café Wa. And then um, the the promoter there booked us into BB Kings, and we became like the official Dylan band for the Dylan birthday time periods that were there. 
um, in the main room nice. for the, for the, for the Dylan birthday. So right. around end of May, uh-huh. May 24th is Dylan's birthday. So I, it, it's, it's been an interesting I would think trip so. with that material. Over 250 um, songs we've performed of, of Bob's in his catalog. And it's, it's just really nice. We've had a, a huge amount of, um, uh, you know, we've had, you know, Jim Lawler was our drummer for five mm-hmm. years, mm-hmm. Mama Lee. Mama Lee. And, um, and uh, that was great. Uh, Jimmy loved playing, playing with that. Um, we've, we've had a very stable ensemble with keyboard player Stuart Sherman, but we've also had extra keyboards. Fred Gild has played with us. Dan Kuntz has played with us. Um, so and These are all familiar names for people who for people know in the, the players out here. Yeah. Um, so was, was it the complete unknowns and playing with them and also, as you said, playing um, at Crossroads and those acoustic jams that would happen on Sundays that kind of got you into playing with other bands out here? Because, I mean, for an example... What Bay Street Theater has done, where where you know where you've done you know uh, the Beatles and and other covers and, and and the Stones, there was the Beatles versus the Stones and these kind of legendary things that have happened there now with all you guys who are kind of interchangeable and you always appear to love what you're doing so much, but it really started with the complete unknowns. Well, yes. Well, I think it 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 actually started with with an ensemble that. Uh, we had started right before that band, which uh, band called The Lost Keys, which Marion Megna, who was longtime here at Sag Harbor, she had a glass. I know. She and Marty yeah, had right a glass Sag factory. Harbor, they had this. The glass factory. Exactly. Um, a hot glass factory. And uh, Anthony Liberatore, who, you know, also plays, you know, he's with uh, uh, Joe Potter and mm-hmm. uh, um, he plays with a, a, a bunch of uh, other people out here. Um, yeah, the it, it was. You know, meeting Cliff also and playing with Cliff. Cliff Black. Yeah. I, you know, first time I got a chance to play with Cliff, um, again, it's just he's like a musical brother. So the first time I got a chance to play with him, I think we played for six hours straight. Was that at Crossroads? No, it was at Wolfie's in, uh, up in Springs. Oh, Wolfie's. They had music there. They had mu- music there, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, on something like that, you know, when it's feeling when you're just feeling it you just go with it um i i it's it's really funny too because my first my first concert that i saw in my teenage years was um hot tuna mm-hmm. at um yorma uh, at uh, at um stony brook university okay a week later i saw led zeppelin at Madison Square Garden. They played uh-huh. for two and a half hours. I felt cheated because um, uh, Hot Tuna had played for five and a half hours. So you thought that this is, <laughs> so, this so, is standard. So, well, so this is sort of like, you know, I, I feel like I, we do a Dylan show. We've If we do a Dylan show, like, um, and, and Cliff Black also joined the Complete Unknowns yeah. a, 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 after, after a while. So, I, you know, you do a Dylan show, you're playing it, in two hours in, you're only feeling like you're getting warmed up. <laughs> and it's like, we could play another two hours uh-huh. at least, if not more. Yeah. You know, it's the kind of, it's really tough with these kinds of constraints. So right. <laughs> it's like, you know, but it's, what, what can you do? What can you do? You know, it's like, you know, there is a show, there is something to that. And there is a, constraints are good, I guess, in a certain degree. Let's do it. One.
got a nerve to say you are my friend When I was down, you just stood there grinning You got a lot of nerve to say you got a helping hand to lend You just wanna be on the side that's winning You say I let you down You know it's not like that If you're so hurt Why then don't you show it And you say That you lost your faith But that's not where it's at no faith to lose And you know it I know the reason That you talk behind my back I used to be among the crowd You're in with And do you take me For such a fool to think I'd make contact The one who tries to hide what it don't know To begin with You see me on the street You always act surprised You say, how are you? Good luck, but you don't mean it You know as well as me You'd rather see me paralyzed Why don't you just come out one time And scream it No, I do not feel that good When I see the heartbreaks you embrace If I was a master thief Perhaps I'd rob them And though I know you're dissatisfied With your position and your place Don't you understand It's not my problem
Again, thanks for being with us on WLIW.org. That is 88.3 FM in Southampton, New York. This is the Jam Session Radio Hour, which we bring to you on Sunday nights at 8. So happy that you are with us. And continue to stick with us because we have more of this interview of Randy Hudson and some of his music. You know, you, so you're kind of comparing the scene out here in some ways to something that you were involved in the late 70s there. Obviously very different, but the way you would play with each other and play with different bands was similar to the way it kind of works out here? Well, I, I think... I think what it is is it's I think you're you find cliques of people who are into certain types of music right. and that naturally propels the scene. You know, it's like there there's certain things that mix very well and certain things that don't. You don't find too many uh uh you know the punk scene isn't what <laughs> what, right. what it is, but there was a small punk scene out here. Mm-hmm. I, I I Julie uh Druden had sure. a had a, had a whole thing circles or one of yeah uh, in circles. Uh, Cynthia Daniels had had produced that, uh-huh. um, and it's interesting because my whole take on that on that on that because I was in New York when the whole punk thing happened right. too, um, and there's a whole story that goes with uh, Johnny Rotten and Johnny Lydon and and uh, Keith Levine and right. uh, and because uh, there's, a, there's I was in a band with Keith's uh, girlfriend, soon to be wife. And there's a whole story with with John Rot with Johnny Lydon, uh, with me nearly throwing him off the roof of Danceteria. But that's a whole yeah, that's yeah. a whole other. I don't want to go. It's, it's for like, another show. It's a, for another show. <laughs> so <laughs> talk about punk. I mean, this is where yeah. this is where Prague meets punk. It's like, hey, well, you did hey, mention Cynthia, <laughs> you're you going mentioned off the Cynthia roof. Daniels, which is another thing I wanted to yeah. talk about because she's kind of in the heart of the music. Out oh, here, absolutely right. Um, another studio would be Mix, right? Mick, absolutely, yeah. Mick Hargraves, Mick Hargraves is another is another one right, of those which hubs is in Manorville. Yeah. So these people are hubs of music out here. You're a hub of music out here. You've become such, and people congregate around what what you do and what you do with others. But so you do a lot with Cynthia. Oh yeah. Her. In fact, we just did, we just did a record, finished a record with Valerie DiLorenzo, who's a, a wonderful Valerie. singer. Yeah. So this is Monk, or the name of her studio is Monk Music? Monk Music Studios. M-O-N-K. Yes. Yeah. And how long is Monk Music, how long has she had her studio? Oh, it's... It, Less than 10 years? 10 oh, years? no, no, no. It preceded... Um, she, well, I'm... It has to be at least almost 20 years, probably. Okay, 20 it's got to be 20 years. That, so when you have a studio, like she has, and then Mix is, is not as old, but he's been doing stuff like this for a while, right? Yeah. I mean, those become congregating... Um, nuclei of they of, do, yes. of, the, of what goes on sure. in a music uh, environment so we're lucky to have those very lucky absolutely and you yeah. do a lot of of technical stuff with her too right i mean just in in terms of the recording you do, or is it mostly studio work that you do uh no no i i i'm i'm there as a player as, as a player yeah, yeah. Okay. i mean we've co-produced some records at times um Marion Magna's second record, Sunlight Chant, was co-produced. I was given co-production credit on that, and then Michael Weisskopf's um, record, the uh, um, Love and Entropy record, mm-hmm. sent that Michael, Cynthia, and myself were all quote producers. Well, let me record. ask about that one for a minute. So that's Love and Entropy, uh, complete unknowns, or is it not just Michael? It's just my. It's, it's just Michael. Michael. So it's, it's not just, a Dylan thing. Every record he's done a Dylan. Every, he's done cover. some. He's okay. done a Dylan cover on, right. a, on, a, on each one of them. Are, are there albums that are all uh, Dylan? No, we've been announced? talking. No, but you're you're zoning into a whole thing of like okay. a discussion that's going okay. on right now where okay. we're probably going to 
do a whole album of Dylan. What are some of the other things that you've you've recorded on f- at uh, uh, Muck Music Studios with Cynthia? So we did Glenn Fight's record there, mm-hmm. and that was a whole story to itself because Glenn, I, when so it was. What does Glenn play? Uh, well, Glenn was a singer and acoustic guitar, mm-hmm. and so he. The, the ensemble was James Bernard on drums. Right. Uh, Cliff on bass. Cliff Black. Uh, and myself on guitar. And and Glenn was uh, in the room playing either acoustic guitar or ukulele and singing. Mm-hmm. Glenn was 85 when he... Was he 85? When, he tr- when we tracked that record. Wow. At Cynthia's, yes. Uh, and he hung in there. I mean, just talking yeah. about somebody like, you know, he was used to going to the open mics and and playing, and he was just a wonder kind because he had he was such a wonderful, the both of them were. Uh, Barbara Paul was a, a composer herself before becoming a psychologist. Okay. And um, he had been a decorated uh, Navy um, uh, commander, uh, became a pilot, became uh, one of the partners at Proskauer. Mm. I mean, a very well-accomplished mm. attorney. And, uh, you know, he came out and started, he loved music and wanted, he started playing guitar to serenade his wife at 80 okay. when she was in the hospital yeah. for having a heart problem. Yeah. And picked up guitar and uh, uh, was starting to go to these open mics. And it's very funny because Mike Rosinski, who's, an, who's a... a uh, uh, he plays out here. He he runs an open mic um, over in Sag Harbor. I, I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of the place on Noriak Road over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, MJ. Oh, yeah, MJ Dallings. Dallings. Uh, Dallings, yes, yeah. you got it. Uh, so uh, Mike is a pilot. And, and uh, you know, Glenn was, they were standing side by side waiting to go on for, at this open mic. Right. And Glenn said, I'm so nervous. And, Mike turned to him and he said, what's to be nervous? We fly planes. We have to land these planes what's, and with people in them and safety. He says, why And Glenn right, looked at him and says, Glenn, this is, you're right. So that changed his really? whole attitude. And from there, he really went headlong. And he did a beautiful record at, really? at Monk. He did a beautiful record what at a Monk. Wonderful so as you can tell, Randy Hudson has been a stalwart member of the East End Rock and Roll and Jazz and Fusion uh, population out here for uh, a while and we're very lucky to have him he's played with all kinds of bands out here Play has played with Mama Lee and Rose Jimmy Lawler and Lee Lawler and their daughter Rose uh, has played with Cliff Black Stephen Talkhouse um, Fame, Nancy Atlas uh, The Complete Unknowns a lot of times with The Complete Unknowns Michael Weisskopf's uh, band that they found, co-founded that does uh, lots of Bob Dylan music and we're, again, we're very lucky to have him. He's had a wonderful career uh, and continues to. Uh, and he, uh, he, he also supplements all his musical work by working as a, a very astute uh, digital studio engineer. Um, and he talked about some of that on the interview, but he has played with the likes of John Zorn and Kramer and Ann Magnuson, the performance artist, and uh, Mars Williams, uh, various bands including The Fugs, The Psychedelic Furs, uh, he even played with Penn Jillette on Captain Howdy with Bongwater, traveling all over Europe. Uh, has played uh, a great deal with Martha Mook, uh, with whom he co-founded the Electric Bow Quartet. Um, so, there you go. Lots and lots of stuff that he has done over the years, 
including with, as I say, Cliff Black, Black and Sparrow, Glenn Fight, wonderful stories. So thanks for being with us. Uh, again, thanks for being with us on the Jam Session Radio Hour. It is our pleasure to bring this to you. We thank Rafael Alvarez for all his good work in putting this together. We thank, of course, Klaas Brondahl for his leadership as music director. We thank others on the board, Joel Chris, Lou Sherwood. We thank WLIW for giving this the space to uh, allow us uh, to bring this to you. And we thank our sponsors, Oza Sabbath Architects, and, of course, Bayard, Bayard Fenwick III of Saunders Real Estate. Thank you, Peter Sabbath. Thank you, Neelay Oza. Thank you, Bayard Fenwick III, for your continued support of the Jam Session Radio Hour. So for the Jam Session Radio Hour, I wish you all the best of week coming up. Take good care of yourselves. Be well. And thanks so much for joining us, and good night. <laughs>